This week we'll be talking about a new Witcher game remake coming via Unreal 5. Henry Cavill will no longer play Geralt in The Witcher's Netflix show. Phil Spencer says Game Pass is profitable, but might get a price increase. Sony's London studio is working on an online co-op combat game set in fantasy London. Game impressions for Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 story campaign, Marvel Snap, and more on Season 6, Episode 42 of Press X to Start Podcast. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, DJ, a.k.a. Sexy Vatrice, a.k.a. the Yugi of Marvel Snap. I am joined by... Sean M.F. Ross. What the MF stand for? What would you do if your son was at home, crying all alone, on the bedroom floor, and he's hungry? The only way to feed him is to sleep with a man for a little bit of money. Oh, no. (laughs) I would sleep with the man. (laughs) Because that's how hard I go for my children. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> last up hey everyone it's me Avery nailed it as always uh, alright now you know who we are Press is our podcast is a weekly show where we talk about the latest gaming news review the biggest games and give you our thoughts on the games we are playing our goal is to expand the video game media landscape through an underserved point of view if you like what we're doing and you're watching on YouTube you can support us by liking the video subscribing to the channel and then hitting that notification bell if you are listening we would appreciate you if you leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts or a podcast service you are using. I want to give a major announcement and a major shout out to all of the people who have joined our Discord chat. And you can do that by going to pressxnumber2start.com slash Discord. It has been an amazing time. All the people are just lovely to talk to. And we have a lot of fun. So if you want to have a lot of fun with us in a... Uh, talking consensual way on Discord, you can join our Discord at pressxnumber2start.com slash Discord, and we'll take you right there. Um, bada bing, bada I think, I think, yeah, I think, I think we did it. I think we did it. I think it is time for us to jump into the quick hits. <laughs> Avery, what's happening? After our most recent uh, quarterly meeting, we've uh, made a major decision in regards to what the quick hits are. They're no longer quick hits. Let's be <laughs> real. It's gaming news. Yeah. So I'm here with gaming news. <laughs> uh, this change will be going uh, from here on forward. It's just gaming news. Quick hits has been... Uh, Knocked out. Go ahead, Avery. No, there you go. There you go. See? See? Look at Sean. Our first story is from Zach Swizen from Kotaku.com. The original Witcher is getting a fancy new Unreal 5 remake. Uh, so CD Projekt Red came out with a bunch of games and said, hey, this is our slate for the next like 10 years. And this is what we're making. We plan to get all of these out in a quick enough time. Cool. One of these games, I, I believe, was called Project Canis uh, Major. We didn't know what it was. We just knew it was a Witcher-esque uh, uh, game. Well, they revealed that it is going to be a remake of The Witcher 1, and it's going to be done by a studio called uh, Full Theory. Mm. There's not much to say about this in that I, the only Witcher game I played is The Witcher 3. Uh, one, and two, one and 2 were only came out on PC. I, 
2 may have been on Xbox. I don't know. I don't think it was, but they only came out on PC. Majority of the people who bought Witcher 3 bought it because of the E3 demo, not because of the previous games. So getting more people into the old games seems like a win-win situation. Yeah, I I was actually playing uh, some video from The Witcher 1, and it looks very dated. The combat looks very dated, so it'll be really nice to see them remake this game or remake that game into Unreal 5 because, I mean... Yeah, the first one is only on Windows and uh, Mac, apparently, OS X, surprisingly. That is very surprising, actually. And then uh, Part 2 was on Windows 360, Mac, and Linux. Interesting. So... I think realistically, uh, do you guys, uh, Sean, did you play Witcher 3? <laughs> I played about uh, maybe an hour or two of it, and then I was okay. just like, yeah. I think my it. issue is I did too much side questing and too much just looking for like, I think it was these gems or like those 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 temples that you pray at to power up. Meditation. Oh, okay. Meditation. There you go. Yeah, I just went on yeah. a hunting path just for, for just those. <laughs> And kind of forgot about the rest of the game. Like did I was just you, killing shit. Yeah. Did you leave the first area? Yeah, like I did some quests. Um, I don't remember, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I I was around a large area though. Like I think I was hunting some griffin or some shit. Oh, then you probably only, okay. If you're hunting a griffin, then like you're, you didn't leave the first area. Oh well, then how's that? <laughs> That's right. Still, it still didn't grab me. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I I played a lot of Witcher, but. Like Sean, I never beat it. Like I, I think I was pretty close to the end, but I just, I just ran out of steam. Like I, I love that game, and if they remake this in Unreal Five, I'm more than likely going to try this out just to see, or maybe just wait for you know impressions and stuff to see like what's going on because it'd be really cool to like you know play a younger girl and see what that, that's like that that's the issue with the witcher game franchise in itself mm. is that the games start at the end of the book mm. so like yeah. there's already like a 10 20 year history of girl of rivia that you just don't know and that was my big problem with witcher 3 when i played it is that i came into this and girl has a bunch of relationships in and with a bunch of characters, I'm just like, I don't know who this is. I don't know why I'm supposed to care about this. It's one of the reasons yeah. why I, when given the chance to romance two characters, like in the game, they give you Triss and Yennefer. I picked Triss because I spent more time with Triss and got to know her as a character in this game than did Yennefer, did who is canonically his one true love. And I'm like, you first meet Yen and she's kind of a bitch. And I'm like, why am I supposed to be in love with you? And so I moved on. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I hope it's just a standard remake. And like, mm-hmm. I-, I hope this is more of a Last of Us Part 1 remake than a uh, Final Fantasy 7 2 uh, part, Final Fantasy 7 Part 1 sort of remake, because like mm. I don't need a bigger Witcher game, because yeah, I beat yeah. The Witcher, but like, I don't... It's one of those games where the size of that game makes it like impossible for me to go back to and replay it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm I'm there with you on that. Like I I really hope that this is a very contained experience, and it's at most maybe like fifteen twenty hours. Ah, uh, you done. fucking smoking boners right there. You know it's not going to be. I that. mean, I mean the first well, Witcher, thought, no, the first Witcher game is not a long game. That's why I'm yeah. saying I want it to be that type of remake because I don't want yeah. a big open world experience. I want a I here's a more standard RPG esque uh, experience. Yeah, because I I think Witcher three really 
shook up things because that was a giant. It says it's 35 hours. Jesus. Is that golden path? I'm looking at how long to beat. Maybe it's 10 hours with all the loading and stuff. So maybe if you cut out the loading. It says 35 like, hours for the main contents of the game, upwards of 60 hours to complete everything. Well, then I'm probably not going to play which one. Then. <laughs> I don't have time to go back. <laughs> but I, I think, uh, so I guess on the development side, the beauty of this is that this gives that team experience with Unreal 5 because they're going to be yeah. moving off from the uh, I get Red Engine or whatever it's called onto Unreal 5. So yeah. this works out. Yeah, Fool's Gold is a uh, is a third-party studio. So it's not like there's a CD Projekt Red getting uh, like uh, familiar with the engine and losing that to move forward. But uh, I digress. The only reason I... This is a really small story. I didn't really give a shit about it. And the only reason I brought it in is so I could mention the second part of the story, which is that this is also from Kotaku.com. This is also from Zach Twyson. Netflix replaces Henry Cavill in Witcher with Liam Hemsworth. So... Uh, My heart hurts. We were, we were doing a quarterly meeting, and in the middle of it, Marcus dropped this bombshell, and I had to really sit there and mull how I felt about this. Because I think Witcher is a above-average Netflix show. I think yeah. it's really good. It's not a, I'm subscribing to Netflix to watch it good. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things where, like, I'm not kicking The Witcher out of bed if I get recommended to it. I think it's a really high-quality show with really bad, no. I think it's a high-quality show. The first season's time the first season is not The first season's, like, uh, time travel plot. No, uh, the f- way the first season is told is fucking bullshit. And there's no one who mm-hmm. can argue with me that it was, like, yeah. a concrete way to tell that story. I uh, agree, yeah. Like, the first season would have done well with you do a Yennefer episode, you do a Siri episode, and then you do Geralt's Adventures as their own separate episodes, not intertwining them all together. I, I know you want to keep these actors working and, like, tell a narrative where you get all familiar with them, but, like, the level of bullshit you have to go through where, like, oh, I'm watching the Adventures of Siri. Huh, why is Geralt hanging out with her aunt and uncle, like, when they were children? What? Yeah. And, like, the, the narrative never, like, I think it's dumb. But yeah, I think so the, the second season is much better because it just it gets rid of all that and it gets Straight to the forward. it gets to the Geralt in series stuff. The only place where it falters is when it tries to be Game of Thrones. I'm like, I don't give a shit about the politics of your world. Uh, like, oh, here's a random king I'm supposed to care about. This is dumb. But yeah, uh, <laughs> there are two realities. Things. There is he was in the work of Witcher three, doesn't like Witcher three, and doesn't like where the series is going, and says, I'm out. Or the more realistic is that because of the promises made in the new DCEU EU, no, the, D- the new DCEU E, uh, which is the DC Universe Extended Universe Extended, uh, that because he's going back to Superman, he's going to have to spend that more time. That name is dumb. No, I, 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 I made that name because it's, it's, oh, something, okay. that needs to, it's something that needs to die. Uh, <laughs> that he's going to be busy with Superman and Black Adam 2 and whatever. Warner Bros. wants to shove him into that he's not going to have time to film another season of The Witcher. Mm. I like, of course, movie money is more than, than Netflix money, but god damn, I hate this. Like, I and I, I'll go ahead and say, like, you know, I'm a Marvel guy. Like, I, I've watched all the Marvel movies. I've, I don't really care much for the DC movies. I don't think they're that great. And I, I'm just. I'm heartbroken by this because I, I really, really liked Henry as Geralt. And I thought 
it was almost a very, not even almost, he was a perfect fit for me. And especially just him being such a gamer and like so into the Witcher and just so into the culture. Like it was like, it was a perfect fit. And now he's leaving it to to go do another Superman thing. I'm just like, all right, whatever. Well, if that, if that's what it is, if that's what it is, I mean, maybe he's like, hey, guess what, guys? We're playing Goku in the next Dragon Ball Z movie. (laughs) Really? That's where you went. That's where you went. Like, this would be the greatest idea possible. I mean, I'm curious. I'll watch it. <laughs> I thought it was here with Man of Taste. <laughs> anyway, uh, they're replacing him with Liam Hemsworth. Liam isn't a bad actor per se, but he's not an exciting actor. Right. I would say, honestly, he's the least exciting of the three Hemsworth brothers. Three? They have another one. Have, there's an older brother named Luke Hemsworth. You may remember him as uh, the security officer from uh, Westworld. Or more recently, he played fake uh, Thor in all the Thor movies. Like when they're on Asgard and there's someone playing Thor, that's oh, Luke Hemsworth. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm at a place where I'm just like, I'm, I'm heartbroken by this, but I also don't hate Liam. Mm-hmm. So I'll just kind of see what this is like. Just don't disappoint me, Liam. Just don't disappoint me. <laughs> don't do it. Okay. So, our next story is, this is the addendum to the ongoing Bayonetta 3 nonsense. <sighs> this is going to be the last time we're going to talk about it. I'm not going to bring Hopefully. it up anymore. Uh, no, I, I, someone's controlling the fucking news story. This is the last time I'm, I'm giving any weight <laughs> to this story. <laughs> nothing has pissed me off more than this. Okay, so this right. is from Ethan Gottes from Kotaku. Ex-Bayonetta actress asks fans to donate boycott money to anti-abortion groups. Okay, so let's go back in time when okay. Helena Taylor brought in her sort of uh, boycott of Bayonetta. It was a passionate thing about being uh, paid less. That was all the information I had at the time. So I, I was very much on her side. Then, uh, especially when you have Hideki Kamiya acting like a weirdo on Twitter, not doing his company great in terms of minimizing what the possible damage of this could be. Uh, flash forward, uh, actual investigative journalists who have sources outside of uh, looking up other people's Twitters, talk with people, and they sort of clarified a lot of what she talked about. And it very much seems like she was exaggerating the real truth of the matter. And it still very much sounds like the Jennifer Hale thing was going to happen regardless. Mm. But we got into a milkshake duck situation where Helena Taylor, who's never really been in like a big spotlight situation, everyone started digging in super deep into who she is and what she believes in. And we got a situation like she's found all this weird, insane shit on the timeline that like most people ignored because it's Helena Taylor and outside of Bayonetta, she doesn't really have that much of a presence. Right. That be, like, but I'm, I'm very much a person of, okay, it doesn't matter if you're awful. If you are being wronged in a situation, you get mm-hmm. the benefit of the doubt, regardless of what type of person you are. Like, I'm not, because like, I'm not the type of person to, oh, you're a bad person and something really bad happened to you. You deserve to be punished. That, like, especially in the context of the situation at hand when it comes to voice actors. Yeah. We can, like, I really don't want to get into like a moral equivalency situation like a, a i respect situation. that though like if, that. If, if if we want her to get punished let's punish her for reviews not punish her for the work in such a situation like yeah that. yeah 
So that being said, she said, if you want to boycott Bayonetta, donate to charity. I'm like, you know what? That is like, if you want to do what she was doing, saying, hey, send out the charities is a like a good PR move in regards to selling your point. I use PR move because that's how I'm reading it. But I don't think it was like as calculated as I want to get more goodwill on me. So I'm going to say donate to charity. I think she was actually being yeah. sincere. That being said, the day of Bayonetta's release, she listed about a bunch of charities. And lo and behold, one of them was an anti-abortion charity. So, like, immediately with any goodwill that she had still had went out the window for me where I'm like, you were so close to the finish line and you just had to do this. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. How dare you? I always got to bring politics into things. (laughs) Oh, my God. Like... So I, I guess behind a peek behind the curtain, um, Avery had put together the news story for you know our podcast right now, and I I completely missed the story. Like I didn't hear it. Like Sean posted into our our Discord chat, um, and you can join that chat by going to pressxnumberdustart.com/slash/discord. It's a good chat. Okay, but um, yeah. So I this absolutely stunned me because it is very much just like. Wow, like we were very much in support of Helena for her not getting paid. Then we found out that like she stretched the truth. And then now it's just like, hey guys, support this anti abortion. It's like, this is insane. Like, this is so insane. It's, yeah. oh man, it's terrible. Like, hey guys, buy Bayonetta 3. Even if you're not going to buy it. I mean, well, let's not, let's not. <laughs> It, we, here's the thing. We now live in a world where Bayonetta 3 is already out. Yeah. And mm-hmm. reports are that, like, hey, man, maybe Bayonetta 3's oh, views there's... are very, very much in view of the type of person Helena Taylor actually is. <laughs> Turns out Bayonetta was based off of Helen. <laughs> uh yeah there's a lot of stuff happening with that. Like, yeah, because I'm I, I wasn't really planning on picking up Bayonetta 3, so I don't I'm just kind of loosely following this stuff. But yeah, there is talks about the campaign being a little uh, weird and, and so on and so forth. Well, yeah. But yeah, this I, is this is a mess. Yeah, I've argued from Jump Street that the Bayonetta story is awful. Like, okay. the character is great, but the narrative yeah. that the games want to tell is, like, incomprehensible. And when I saw what 3 was about, I knew it was going to be incomprehensible. And oh, lo and okay. behold, looking up what the actual narrative is, I'm like, none of this fucking makes any sense. <laughs> This is not even a code. Like, let's not even talk about the themes that the game is supposed to like champion. It's like none of this fucking makes any sense. Yeah. Yikes. So, uh, what you can do instead of buying Bayonetta three, you can um, you could you can just send us the money directly. You know, just any of our Venmo's or Cash App. We'll we'll take it. We'll make your we'll make our own Bayonetta for you. You know, we'll have Sean dress up as Bayonetta, and then I'll dress up as the other Bayonetta, and then. Either Avery or Marcus can dress no up as the other no, Bayonetta. Was... No power in this verse. No power in this verse. <laughs> All right, that's fine. Then I didn't get a note from Sean, so it looks like we're going to do this. Hey, just send us money and we'll do it, you know? Yeah. I can be bought. <laughs> I, like, to keep it 100, I wasn't going to buy Bayonetta because of the Helena Taylor situation. That mm-hmm. my opinion changed last week in regards to, okay, she's not being ultimately truthful. Maybe I will be supportive of Bayonetta as a franchise. Then the uh, sort of uh, uh, review started to roll in. It got the uh, Switch 89 uh, that mm-hmm. everyone is very co- uh, confident about, about Switch games. And like the reviews were like, oh man, it's a fun game. Campaign is ass, and the Switch holds the system back. And I'm like, 
okay, maybe I don't play Bayonetta I mean, right but now. That was to be expected. Yeah, but I don't. But like, it's not the game that's going to bring me back to Switch. Is what I'm saying. Uh, what will? Oh, that makes sense. Uh, Mario, Mario plus rabbits. rabbits. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. 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 Our our next story is uh, we've got a sort of duo of Microsoft stories. So you Microsoft frogs and our in our mentions and our in our listens, <laughs> we're, we're we're serving you some some information about your studio of choice. Uh, anyway. This is from uh, IGN. This is from Ryan Dinsdale. Microsoft reportedly regretted missing out on making Genshin Impact an Xbox mm. exclusive. So currently, Microsoft has built a team that is shopping China for big games that will be at the level of Genshin Impact. Because reportedly, this is from uh, Reuters, they met with MiHoYo earlier and passed on Genshin. And now they're looking at its success as part of the PlayStation ecosystem and like, Oh, we need a game like that. Could have been us. Could have been us, but he said no, Microsoft. They probably said we don't want that Weeboo shit over here. <laughs> right? <kept> pushing. <laughs> Being honest. <laughs> 60% of the main cast is ladies. Like, what is this about? They're like, don't worry, it's gonna make a lot of money. Microsoft was like, no, we don't it, want I this. mean, admittedly, it probably Where wouldn't have the done the same. It probably wouldn't have done the same numbers on Xbox. So I mean, it is what it is. It probably would have languished yeah, yeah. over there. Well, not necessarily. Genshin is a mobile game, PC game, and then a console game that's all wrapped into one. Well, I don't think it will have moved Xbox units. I do think that while it won't be as profitable as it is on PlayStation, I do mm-hmm. think it would have been successful on Xbox, especially if Xbox pushes their Xbox Play Anywhere initiatives with it. Besides Final Fantasy and maybe Fable, what Japanese style RPGs have done well on the Xbox? Scalebound. <laughs> Fuck you. My heart still hurts for that game. Yagata Like a Dragon. Uh, as of right now, the Kingdom, ah! the Kingdom, the Kingdom Hearts games. As of right now, uh, probably the Persona franchise. Now that everything is on Game Pass on Xbox. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah, I forgot Persona is on Xbox now. And like, Genshin isn't so much an RPG as it is just Breath of the Wild. Uh, yeah, yeah. But you, you get what I, I'm uh, going with that. You get where I'm going with that. I would, I would say it's, it's a, it's a even. <sighs> Negro, that's, that's inspired like, by Breath of the Wild. Stop it. No, it is inspired by Breath of the Wild, but I will definitely say it's still an RPG. Like, oh, no, like, like I didn't say it was an RPG. Past- I'm saying it's less of an RPG than more of its Breath of the Wild. Oh, Sean, was, okay, okay. Sean was talking about like hardcore JRPGs, and I'm like, oh, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, because we were having a conversation before the cast, and it is a thing of this whole thing where Xbox said no to them probably did them a service in getting them on PlayStation, making it exclusive. Yeah, and it just doing so well. Like, yeah, it's it's a mobile game too, but exclusive for console, now. Yeah, exclusive for now. But yeah, I mean, you know. If they open it up and they have it to Xbox, that would be great. I mean, that will just be, you know, more money for them. It'll be more players in the ecosystem, which, you know, everyone wants. So I would imagine the exclusivity is probably on PlayStation side versus uh, HoYoVerse side. Well, it's hard to parse because, like, I would say that, but then I was sitting there thinking, oh, the Persona games, PlayStation has a contract, and that's why they're not on Xbox. No, Atlas just didn't put them on the Xbox because they didn't think they would sell there. 
Mm. And then Spell Spencer oh, went yeah. went to them hat in hand, especially with the success of the Yakuza game, and said, that's not a true statement. So like, okay, we're going to put our games on Xbox now. And now they've mm. lost, essentially, the Persona exclusivity going forward. Because there's no reason, yeah. unless PlayStation spends money, that Persona 6 isn't also launching game day on Xbox. Yeah, That's a good point, yeah. On Game Pass. That's also true. No, that's not. Yeah, no, Persona 6 yeah. is not launching on Game Pass. Okay, I was going to say, like, Genshin probably wouldn't do a Game Pass deal either, because they would they don't need, they're free to play, so they don't yeah. need to do that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, look out for Xbox's next big Chinese hit, which I think is going to be super hard for them. I think this might be a fruitless effort because I really feel like the Genshin mm-hmm. thing is lightning in the bottle, unless they partner with Mihoyo on another one of their games. Because, like, it's a free to play gotcha game. That's a really hard market to break into. Break into. Especially they, when Genshin probably, Impact is so big right now. <laughs> they probably could have got on the ZZZ shit, but... I was going to partner with MiHoYo again, but like... I'll, I'll tell you right now, I don't think ZZ is going to do as numbers. well as uh, Genshin. Yeah, because like no. even looking at the uh, the Reddit, like it's it's not it's not nearly as... The excitement isn't uh, near the same as Genshin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Okay, uh, keeping on the Xbox Microsoft uh, train, we have another Kotaku story. This is from Luke Plunkett. Microsoft says Xbox price increases are coming. So Phil Spencer had a sort of like uh, keynote speech at like a Washington uh, fucking Wall Street Journal like event or something. And he like, we got a lot of interesting uh, tidbits from him. As I said, I normally don't like these uh, like, oh, the boss of a company is coming out and he's saying stuff. I, I like more concrete stuff, but there is some concrete information in this uh, thing. In that, Phil Spencer has come out and said that we're not going to. We're earlier. Okay, when PlayStation raised prices, uh, everyone went out and got a soundbite from both Nintendo and, X, mm-hmm. and Xbox, and asking about are you going to raise prices as well? And both of them said no. In the case of Nintendo, most people theorize that they're going to raise prices, but just not going to talk about it. They're like, oh, we're going to release another Switch. Yep. That's going to be the same price or more than the base which we're selling, and that's typically yeah. a price increase. And uh, Xbox, uh, I guess, the, the, with the good PR Xbox guy, everyone's like, yeah. Uh, flash forward now, that it looks like the economic future that PlayStation saw, that, required, that saw them raise prices, is something that Microsoft also saw. They just didn't act on it then, but yeah. they're gonna have to act on it in the future. It's not clear what Xbox products are going to be raised in price, does it mean that video game sales are going up from 60 to 70? Because they've been really bullish because of their whole Xbox Play Anywhere initiative that everything's going to stay uniform across all their platforms, uh, ignoring third-party stuff. Are they going to raise the price of the console themselves? Or is this a Game Pass price increase? Spencer did mention that Game Pass is going to have to increase its price, which is going to tie into another story I have down the line. But... We don't know where this price increase is coming from, but he says it's coming just after the holidays. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, of I I, I heard it from uh, somewhere this this weekend, but like nothing really ever goes down in price; everything always goes up in price. So it's like, all right, yeah, they just make more profits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like that's what capitalism is about. So, but it's a thing of. Like what Avery was saying, like, okay, like, when does this happen, though? Like, when would be a good time for Microsoft to increase the price of, let's say, Game Pass? Like, when it's 
doing when it's being quote unquote profitable. So we'll see. It would, it would, yeah, it would make sense if they do it along the lines of maybe like what's their next biggest, maybe Starfield, possibly they can kind of hide it in the release of Starfield. No, you can't. That'd be the. That that'd be on every news shit. You can't really hide. That's true. That's true. Yeah, that would probably blow up. Yeah, or maybe they just do it like on a random. Like on I don't a, think I don't think Xbox is in the. Well, I don't think necessarily they're going to hide it. Mm-hmm. I think they have so much goodwill, and most people who are Game Pass subscribers are fanatical in that idea of it's the best yeah. deal in gaming. And like a price increase, we're like, oh, it's still the best deal in gaming. I'm still yeah, saying, yeah. It just depends on what type of price increase it is. Is it like yeah, a couple true. of dollars? Is it five dollars? Is it ten? That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Because if they can get ahead of the uh, the price increase and explain why they're doing it and kind of just position it in the best light, it will probably do a lot better than. Well, like I said, Microsoft has such good PR that if they are transparent about why they're increasing prices, like no one's gonna bat an eye. And like this isn't a PlayStation yeah. thing. This is why we're doing it. Fuck you, PlayStation. That we had to deal with. <laughs> PlayStation's <laughs> like it's well, hard, like, oh, guys. It's like, it like they're like, "Fuck you, PlayStation!" And then uh, uh, a week later, oh sweet, God of War, let's do it, guys. <laughs> Why was I mad at PlayStation? <laughs> no, it was a week later, Last of Us remake. Let's buy. It. <laughs> Terrible. Oh man. So this mm. next article ties into the last one. Uh, it all happened in that Wall Street Journal conference that filled with that. Uh, this is from Cat uh, Bailey. Shout out to the Cat Bot. This is from IGN. Phil Spencer, Xbox Game Pass is profitable, but growth is slowing, hence at price increases. Okay. It's very self explanatory what this all is. Uh, this is me not being a business major, but when you tell me that your thing is profitable, but then tell me also we're going to increase the price, I see a disconnect here. I do 100% believe that they are profitable with Game Pass. Like, I'm coming around in terms of my understanding of subscription services and, yeah. and whatnot. Uh, but I, I had to ask myself, I, I've been asking myself this for a while, how profitable is Game Pass? Because they gave us that number in the, the CMA talks about like, oh, it makes one point something billion dollars uh, a year. They're like, oh, wow, that's a lot of revenue. But like, it's not clarified how much of that revenue is profit. So I, I, I did some fucking uh, backyard math don't quote mm-hmm. me on all of this. I'm not an accountant. This is just me trying to figure out some shit. They're like, Microsoft reported like profits of around 22 something billion last year. And they claim that Xbox Game Pass is about 15% of their total like revenue streams from there. 15% of that is like a small margin under what they reported as the revenue of Game Pass. So like Game Pass is actual like quote unquote profitability under, with my understanding is somewhere between two to five million dollars. Uh, that's how much profit they see from Game Pass yearly. Oh, okay. Yikes. That's not. I don't like not... I, without like I said without like sitting here with a like, real accountant and fucking. And you don't have that, the hard numbers. Yeah. These not. Yeah. I, I can't even tell if because we, we just said yikes about three to five million and like. I don't know what the profit margin for all the games that they're seeing on Game Pass. And yeah. we also remember that Game Pass ultimately is supplemental to the fact that you could still buy games on the Xbox's ecosystem, which I think is the wrong why it's actually profitable as a service. Like, they're, they're not losing that many sales on it. 
That being said, I think this is where that three to five million is coming from the, oh, we need to increase the profits. Because when they have this massive surplus of games, they'll all be serving through in Game Pass and they want Game Pass to be their main ecosystem, then those profits have to, like, you don't spend X amount of money on Starfield and kneecap it to make it single platform and then see a slim margin of profit, actual profit from it because of Game Pass, if that makes sense. Yeah, huh. That's that's interesting. I mean, I guess I guess they're able to say like, yeah, this is profitable. But if they're not saying like how profitable and if people aren't asking the question, it just sounds like a net positive for them because technically it is. I wonder if uh Sony's going to release their year one numbers for the PS5? For PS Premium. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, I also did this math as well. Actually, because the information that revealed how much Game Pass is uh, making also revealed how much market share Sony has when it comes to subscription services. So Sony is probably making, uh, I think, Game Pass is like 30 to 40% of the market share, and Sony was like 40 to 45% of the market share. If Game Pass is making like one point, I think it was like the number we caught was like 1.6 billion or something, Sony's probably making 2.2 billion. Like somewhere between two billion to like one point eight billion in that range in just their subscription service offerings, and then because Sony's main element isn't like selling all their games through there, they probably I'm guessing have a greater margin in terms of actual profitability from the revenue generated from it. Yeah, hmm. I mean, yeah, that's interesting. Like, yeah, it. I don't know. It, it gets weird talking about numbers with like such. It gets big, weird talking about numbers when no one's yeah. no one's actually willing to release the numbers, and I have to do like just admittedly come at me in the comments. Bad math to figure this shit out. <laughs> but I think the most interesting thing about this is uh, in this new story is that sort of revealed that Xbox has sort of failed its target numbers for Game Pass every mm-hmm. year beyond its first year when it was announced. Uh, and they failed it by huge margins. Like they're, they're like we but want. There's, to a, step- there's a flip side to that though. They're like like I said, they're growing and it's it's constant growth. But it's like yeah. they're like Game Pass is going to be like seventy percent, and then they get like twenty five percent that year. Yeah. And- so yeah. So basically, like Phil Spencer, the the target he posted or I guess put up was seventy percent of the audience, which is an extraordinary number so and i think we even we talked about it months ago when uh you know there was start pushing this that like phil spencer has been known to put like crazy targets on stuff knowing that they're probably not going to hit that but he just does it as some kind of business i don't that i don't know why he does that but yeah so like they only reached 25 percent of that 70 percent margin which Again, it's not bad, but it is growing slowly, and it's just, I don't understand the, I guess, foresight of saying, like, 70%, but only hitting 25%, because it just doesn't sound good if, like, the target was 70, and you only hit so little. It's like, mm-hmm. what is the, what's the benefit of doing, or making a target that extreme in the first place? So, again, I'm not a business major, so I, think- I don't know. I think, like I said, most of this Game Pass stuff is in response to Sony just eating their lunch last generation 
And so this mm. is just him being hyper-aggressive and confident in Game Pass and what it means, especially yeah. when you come out and all those comments about the CMA about like, oh, Sony needs to do X, Y, and Z. I don't know why they're scared of us or things like that. The most interesting thing about this is that we sort of take away that Game Pass has slowed not because the service isn't good, but it's slowed because everyone who wants Game Pass mm-hmm. has it now. Yeah, saturation point. Yeah, which I also think comes back to the price increase thing, the probability situation of that a lot of people were getting like those $1 deals and things like that and situations and those are eventually going to change and they're probably going to see an increase from there. But if they want to keep putting out all their first party games on Game Pass and be the main avenue, I think they probably need to see a bit more revenue from the service going forward. Hence why there'd probably be a price increase. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm. They've they've gotten everybody that wants it now. They're gonna uh, just basically tick up the price. Wants it on console. Yeah. A big, a big thing is that the PC Game Pass is still growing at an exponential rate. Yeah, the console but, Game Pass is slow. But I don't see PC people already have Steam and Epic Game Store. I don't see them running in droves to Game Pass for PC. You forget that they announced a giant Riot Games partnership at the beginning of the year, in which they said, "Hey." Oh. If you play Valorant, if you play League, if you play TF2, you play all these super popular fucking Riot games, join PC Game Pass and we'll give you every champion, every agent, every deck for free. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like I said, as Mm. someone who plays Valorant, I would get Game Pass just so I wouldn't have to grind to unlock characters. Yeah. Wow. That's actually a really good deal for, you know, Valorant players. If you want a shortcut shit, sure. You you haven't I mean, you, you haven't grinded hours. <laughs> Might be worth it. <laughs> uh, okay. Back um, in my day. <laughs> all right. Well, before we jump into our next gaming news topic, because quick hits are now officially dead. R.I.P. Uh, hey there, listener. If you are enjoying the show, and I know you are, we know you are, because you have no other choice but to enjoy the show, because the show is just that enjoyable enjoy i'm just saying enjoy it as many times as i can anyways uh you can do us a solid and like this podcast you can subscribe to the channel and hit that notification bell if you do those things you'll greatly appreciate it because we need it and we need you to do those things for us please um what else can you do for us oh hey you know what you can do? If you're enjoying our conversation and you want to join into the conversation, you can join our Discord at pressx2start.com slash Discord. So do that, too. It's pretty cool. We have great conversations in there. All right. Um, I have nothing else to ask you to do for us. So, oh, actually, I do. You can continue listening to this next story. Avery, what's happening? Well, Bean, this is a very, very short story. I'm going to keep it brief, but this is me being self-indulgent. So... Uh, this is a story from IGN.com. This is from Brian Dinsale. Marvel's Midnight Sun season pass will add Deadpool and more. So if you haven't been paying attention to the Marvel's Midnight Suns, they've been doing this weird thing on their Twitter where Deadpool's talking about other new characters and they sort of and they've announced that uh Morbius uh Storm and Deadpool are all joining the game as DLC characters. Interesting. Now, I hate the character of Deadpool. I dislike the character of Venom. And I'm like, Midnight Suns is already fucking pushing it with Iron Man and Wolverine as two of its main characters in terms of like things I just don't give a shit about. So 
nothing relieves me more when they were hinting about new characters than, oh, this is just DLC, which I don't have to buy. And if I do want Storm, I can just buy her separately from all this bullshit and move forward. Yeah. Yeah, this is me being self-indulgent. Fuck Deadpool. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Upset, are we? Yes. Uh, our final story comes from VGC, just from Andy Robinson. Sony's London studio is working on an online co-op combat game set in fantasy London. Uh, Sony London uh, is the studio behind the London Heist VR game. That's what they were known for. And we all, I, I generally assume that their next game, especially with PlayStation VR 2 coming out, would be a VR game. But it turns out they've been working on one of Sony's 13 live service games, which is a two-player fantasy co-op game set in London. Uh, a choice quote from this is that this is someone from uh, Sony London talking, it is our most ambitious game to date. We're going to take all the innovative DNA and apply it to this online co-op game. Uh, there's actually another quote around here. Uh, essentially that they want to be the next gorilla or the next... Yeah housemark in regards to making a triple a budget game that sort of fits into that umbrella of sony first party like franchise mm-hmm. i'm down for it um i just showed the teaser i guess concept art that they showed where it's like it's very colorful it's a fantasy looking london there's a dragon that's like perched on top of a building and there's a character with like an energy ball that's like attacking the dragon it looks really, really cool. It looks like something that I'd be very interested in. So we'll see where it goes. Yeah. And if it is like this colorful, mm. I am definitely for this. Like I am I am 100% down for this game. It just depends on, I think for me, it's going to depend on the kind of gameplay systems they put into this because you said it was a two-player co-op or is it a four-player? Two, two-player. Okay, two-player. That's interesting. That's an interesting choice. Um, I wonder if it'll be called Couch Co-op. I definitely not. I, I, definitely not. Yeah, Couch Co-op is is it's, dead, it's essentially. Dead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I really really hope that they're doing a thing where we get this teaser now and then we get hopefully like a cooler like animated teaser for Game Awards. Mm-hmm. No, I think I doubt be, it. You don't think so? I think this, if this article was derived from a game industry biz article, like big blowout oh, they have in the studio, yeah. this very much sounds like we were deep in production. We don't have anything concrete to show us. Like when I thought this was another VR game that they were making post London Heist, I was like, okay. In my estimation, we were probably going to see something from them next year, or the year after that. But if this is a brand new triple A, this is our first time making this experience. I'm thinking like a dead time of like probably a six, six to seven year dead time with this. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking like, this is a 2025, late 2024, early 2025 game. And like, we're not, this is a Sony that's just straight up skipped a showcase this year. So this is a Sony that doesn't seem to be interested in just like building unicorn games that people yeah. just have to see every event going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know. I, 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 I love the key art. I think it's really cool. I just want to see more of this now. So that's right. Yeah, me as well. Uh, I the thing that has the most, me the most interested is when they said it was a co-op game, yada yada. They said it was a multiplayer game, yada yada. This, it being only two players indicates to me that this is probably going to have a substantial or significantly okay like single-player experience sort of a situation. Mm, like that, this this doesn't sound like it's going to be a 
a yeah a destiny or a division situation where you can play a single player but the ideal version of this game is multiplayer it's, it very much yeah. sounds like it unless it's an it takes two situation which i'm actually might be down for <laughs> my, my my romantic life partner marcus will once again get in <laughs> the real play uh it takes two <laughs> the uh uh sony london uh, version of it but i'll be excited to play this in a single player fashion okay we will see i think let me revise that i use the division and destiny as like pejoratives of, in regards to multiplayer that's not true i played both of those games single player and had a fine time mm-hmm. doing it i'm talking about a left for dead or a uh uh back for blood situation where like that game was not meant to be played single player it yeah. grows makes sense all right uh well that is it for the gaming news uh r.i.p quick hits before we jump into what we've been playing we have a word from our sponsors it's us us hey there have you been enjoying this episode you have great well if you're listening to the podcast then do us a favor and leave us a review on the podcast platform you're using if you're watching this then like the video subscribe to our channel and hit the bell so you won't miss out on any of our future videos Check out pressx2start.com to find information about us, the podcast, links to all of our social media channels, and to join our Discord. Thanks so much. We appreciate your support. Now back to the podcast. And we are back. Now it is time for us to talk about the games we have been playing. And Sean and myself has officially beaten the Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 story campaign. So we are going to quickly talk about that. And yes, it will be spoilers. Um, so you have been warned. I mean, at this point, I feel like you've probably beat the game already. You know what I mean? It kind of sucks that uh, people need to get shit on release. I, I don't think everybody's got it on release, so we'll try to keep it spoiler free. Okay. All right. All right. Well, we won't be, uh, we won't go too deep in the, into the, uh, Captain Price turning into a monster. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say that out loud? All right. So, uh, Sean, what did, what was your take on this? How did you feel about this game? So I, I, I've read articles saying that it is a manufactured bore machine. Like it's quite boring. I don't know what people are expecting from Call of Duty at this point. Yeah, it, it has to hit certain metrics to appeal to everyone. Go ahead. I think. They're expecting the COD uh, marketing, if that makes sense. When Call of Duty trots out their single player to people, they don't trot out, oh man, here's our next big fun Michael Bay action set piece. They do long, boring presentations about the art of what we put into this game and like look at the sound design and things of that nature. So people we don't need of- all of that. Okay, continue. We, we, don't, we don't need all of that. Just. I get what you're saying. They they tried that out every freaking year. Like people give two shits. I know people worked very very hard on this game. Um, the campaign had us doing interesting and awesome things. Uh, I did not like the crafting sections per se. They wanted you playing naked and afraid, and you know just yeah. s- surviving stressed all the way. <laughs> and I mean, a couple portions of it was interesting, but ultimately. Yeah. I could have done without that in the final section. Um, I, I feel like they're trying to capture those oh shit moments from the first 
10 or so years because it's been going on for quite a while now. Well, like the first like five games or like uh, the first Modern Warfare where the main character died or. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Or or like the no Russian, you know, they're, they're trying to capture shock shit like that. But as I keep on saying, uh, DJ, I don't think Call of Duty has necessarily lost this soul, but I feel like we're hitting a by the numbers thing now. And it's very much industry versus hobby and trying to just do cool things. But like, it was an enjoyable campaign for those. Yeah. Thing. So where, where I'm at with the campaign is that I feel like I had a great time with the campaign. Like there was a couple of sticking points, like the crafting was a sticking point for me. I I felt like having to do it in the, you know, the, the game, having to do it like as a survival means was very stressful. And it's like, well, if that was the point, then, OK, cool. I got that. Like, I definitely felt stressed having to like craft a little shiv or whatever. Um, I'm of the mind that you can only do like, especially Call of Duty being so big, so popular. It's they, they've had like 20 releases or whatever the number is. You can only do so many things before it's like, all right, we got this well of things. Well, we might as well just go to the well and figure out like what we can just put into this game and make, make it work for whatever story. So mm-hmm. for me, it's a thing of like, all right, well, these are the things that they've put into this game. And like, we already know that this is a spiritual remake of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 in, in, in ways. So it's like, okay, like, what are we going to expect in this? And I, for me, the different situations that they put you in, we are not necessarily just firing a gun at a person. Felt interesting for me. Like, I really even though it was very much so like, you know, fire gun at person, the, 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 the prison breakout level, that was really yeah, cool. I, yeah, I liked the flow of that. I thought they put you in really interesting positions. And then like, even at the it turn, end, it turned into like, watchdogs. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. This so game like, went from watchdogs to, uh, fucking last of us to, uh, <laughs> There's another game, uh, Just Cause or something where you could jump from car oh, to car. I'm yeah, sure there's another do, game yeah, that does that. Yeah, but. I think I think Just Cause was the one that like really like made Most it like, apt. a big thing. Yeah, yeah. So like I I really enjoyed the different situations that you were put into with this. Like at the start of this game, I felt like oh they're building the Power Rangers. At the end of this game, I was like they have the Power Rangers. Like this is this is what this is, and I I definitely loved it. I definitely enjoyed that aspect of it. Um. I guess if I were to get on things that like I didn't like as much as I said before, like the crafting, I thought that was like a little, eh. Um, yeah. Like I like, but also found slightly annoying the heavily armored enemies that you fought in the game at that like was really different points. Annoying. Yeah, it, it definitely felt like okay, that person's down. It's like no, that person's crouching. Like oh, he has armor. It's like oh, okay, I gotta just like spend the time shooting that guy a little bit more like stuff like that was like i understand why you did that because you want to add a bit more variety into the gameplay so like okay cool like that those people are more of a a issue for you so you have to worry about it yeah i just started Um, burning them starting what i just started burning them oh molotovs yeah okay yeah that would have been yeah that would have been a good idea yeah oh okay um (laughs) Yeah, uh, I think the story in itself, I liked the story. I thought it was really cool. I mean, I think 
someone i think i think in our chat i think jordan was talking about um how was too many enemies and so on and so forth and i felt like the way that they worked it in made sense to me so mm-hmm. that didn't bother me as much it was a thing of us jumping around like a lot and i was like okay we're flying somewhere else all right we're flying to another place all right but i was more so just in it for the ride i really enjoyed the ride so like that's that's kind of where I'm at with this game. Like if I were like now that I've beaten the game, I am probably at a solid eight in terms of the um, campaign experience. Like I'm also playing the multiplayer, but Call of Duty multiplayer is Call of Duty multiplayer. Like it really, you're not really playing the multiplayer until you're at like rank like forty or fifty, where you have like a majority of the guns and you're actually able to do a lot of the stuff. And don't yeah. forget, you're playing on PlayStation, which has bonus XP and all these other perks. <laughs> so make sure you get the best experience. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, and I also got the um, the Oni armor too, which looks pretty cool. So uh, thanks, PlayStation. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that that's kind of where I'm at with Call of Duty. Uh, have you played any of the multiplayer, Sean? I mean, is there anything? I did, but it ain't hitting the same for me like it used to back in the day. But I mean, it's having a decent time. Decent. Maybe we got to play together. Okay, that works. That works. Yeah, like it. It definitely is like the way that I approach Call of Duty now. And I actually, I feel like I started this in the Call of Duty World War Two, that one made by Sledgehammer, the first one made by Sledgehammer. Like the first like month or so of me like playing the game i'm playing the game to learn the guns and learn the map and then after that after i'm comfortable with it then i'm actually like playing for kills i'm I'm playing for strategy i'm playing for different kits to see like what really works best for me and like that's how i kind of go moving forward where i know like the first two or three weeks playing this game i'm going to get dogged out like i just there's going to be people jumping off of stuff, shoot me in the back of the knees, like throwing knives at me, blowing me up. I, I know that's happening. I know it's going to come. But I'm right now, I'm I'm sort of starting to learn. Like, I, I also like the really different uh, game modes, like the the hostage uh, rescue. Hostage rescue? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like that was really cool. Like, I, I was thrown into it. And I was like, what's happening here? I was just following a person that knew what he was doing. So, yeah, it was really cool. But uh yeah, okay. Um I want to talk about a little game called Marvel Snap. Uh I had talked about this uh, I talked about it last week. Mm-hmm. I've played uh many more hours of this game since then and I can completely confirm that this game is not pay to win. Uh it the only thing that you are getting if you pay is the variant cards so your deck can look cooler but cards are unlocked only by playing the game and the strategy really just depends on the environments that you're playing in like um one game i was playing one of the stages was each of your cards here gets just a hundred power so by the time that game ended like from the three squares, like one or from the three stages, one stage had like 20, the other one had like 460, and the other one had like uh, like 15 or something. So each game changes up so much. There's also another game that I played where I was exclusively picking from my opponent's deck. So like 
they were using my cards, I were using their cards. And it's just like, there's just so much like variety in this game. It's, I think that this game will probably when it comes to game awards, more, more than likely it's going to win the mobile game award. I think it has a chance to be like entered into the conversation of game of the year. Like, I think there is a lot of steam behind this game. A lot of people are enjoying it. It launched very well and it's it's being accepted by a lot of people and a lot of people who aren't necessarily into you know games quote unquote are playing this game and enjoying it and it's a it's a game where if you look at it you're like oh that's kind of complicated but if you actually just take five minutes to figure out what's going on it's a very easy game to learn and the matches take at most five minutes so they 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 really hit this one out like it's it's a really good game I saying it, I think it definitely can be in the top five games of the year. I think yeah. we would be lying to ourselves in a world that Elden Ring and then God of War exist to be to say it will be God a game of the year. Because I do think I I, I, I do think it's going to go through the mobile game hype cycle of everyone's yeah. playing this game really hard for a month straight and then it's going to find its constant community who's going to keep playing it. And then majority of people are going to move on to something else. Yeah. But when it's released, the, I guess the tail end of that quote unquote month straight or whatever, it's going to be around game awards. So I think like with it releasing now there, there's a better shot of it being in that conversation than if it released like over the summer. Yeah. But like, I mean, I definitely don't think, Oh yeah, this game is definitely going to beat Eldering and God of War. I think it's it's going to be especially because we haven't played God of War two and like from all the reports on people who've been playing it right now and waiting for the embargo, everyone's enjoying it. So God of War is you know it's going to do that thing. But yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying this game and I've I continue to play it. So Avery, how about you? What game have you been continuously playing after I? Uh... Fucking marathon Plague Tale Requiem, which I'm slowly working on the platinum in that game because it requires me to a play the game on the hardest difficulty again because I yeah. fucked up something, and then I have to yeah. do a bunch of uh, cleanup stuff because the game doesn't track fucking uh, secret chests. I got all the secret chests, but the game doesn't track it, and the trophy was bugged, so I ended up not getting it by oh. the end of it. So that sucks. So I'm replaying that game slowly. But for the most part, I jump right back into Cyberpunk. And right now, I am cleaning up all my side shit to get the Platinum Trophy in it. I've done every mission in the game except for one bugged mission, which is the uh, roller coaster mission, which I forgot was bugged and did it and forgot to do it when I had the chance. Uh, What is that mission, the roller coaster mission? When you're in Pacifica, there is a roller coaster. And if you go to the roller coaster, there's going to be a bunch of voodoo boys there who are like, hey, man, help us fix this roller coaster. And then you fix the roller coaster, and then you ride the roller coaster, and that's the mission. However, Is that a mandatory you, mission? No. If you don't oh, do the mission... Yeah, it's a side mission. It's a side gig, specifically. If you don't do that mission before you finish uh, uh, Judy, Judy Alvarez's mission chain, it just... All the people disappear from that area. Oh. You can still fix the roller coaster and ride it, but yeah. there's no longer a mission prompt or mission reward for, ah, for fulfilling. Yeah. They disappeared, huh? Yeah. They went back to uh, 
Anyway, continue. Stay game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay. I've stopped playing right at the part where I have to choose my endings because I have to do all the endings to get the platinum trophy. So that's what I'm doing right now. Now save's my, coming. I mean, not you don't have to because literally the game when you reload the game, it starts you right before the I'm, final I'm mission. Teasing you, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we're all just kind of uh, biding our time for God of War, right? Yes. I have games to go back to all like on a, on a backlog mm-hmm. statement, and then like like I I legitimately have to go back and just finish the last two hours of Stray. Like I, I should probably do that. Mm. I also should probably finish Sifu at a certain point. Uh, but. I'm glad that you said that because I'm 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 as Avery say I'm gonna keep it a buck. I'm not gonna beat seafood guys. I Let's I've already easy seen. And go run through it, you sucker. That's I know I know. Like I can I can I know that I can do that, but I know that I'm not gonna actually do that. I'm gonna like, karate chop your door. <laughs> <laughs> chop them motherfucking disc in half like yeah. Yeah, so like, and the thing is, like, I've watched um, the kind of funny stream where they did their little um, race to the end of that game. Yeah, so like, I know what the ending is. Like, all right, cool. That's I understand it. Like, I've played enough of seafood to know like where that stands for me in terms of my games of this year. So, yeah, I I I know I'm not gonna do it. Like, it's that, and I had downloaded Ghost of Tsushima Iki Island, and I was supposed to get on that, and I just haven't got back to the I, not even back i haven't just i haven't played that and i i know i know i'll enjoy that experience i just haven't done it so oh yeah it looked like carpet <laughs> shag carpet <laughs> <laughs> all right um i think we have talked about all the games that we have been playing for this week with that being said this has been another episode of Press X to Start Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting services. That's Apple Podcasts for a lot of people, you know, or Google Podcasts, whatever podcast, you know, you're using. Just, just go ahead and just leave us a review. Uh, if you are watching this, please like this podcast. Please subscribe to the channel. Please hit that notification bell. Hey, Marvel Snap, calm down. Send me a notification. It wants me to play soon. Uh, if you would like to join our conversations, you can by joining our Discord at pressx2start.com slash Discord. There you'll be greeted by uh, one or all of us, usually at least two of us, and you can listen to the cool conversations that we have. You can join in on the conversations that we have. You can start your own conversations with us. You know, we'd be delighted to uh, have you actually say some things and we can say some things back. It'd be a great time. Um, I think that's it. I think, I think I have nailed all of the things on our checklist. So with that being said, you take care. You have a good day. You wash your hands and you play more video games. Do it. Bye.